Hello and welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. My name is Aiden Muir and I'm here with my co-host Leah Heigl. And this is episode 69 where we are going to be talking about nutrient timing and what we should care about. And obviously there's a lot of things we can and should care about with nutrient timing. We're going to be talking about stuff like protein, what we should do with that, how we should time that. We're going to talk about carbohydrates as well, meal timing and how that relates to training and everything like that. How that also relates to our metabolism, whether it speeds it up or anything like that. We'll talk about fiber and fat, how they how they kind of fit into things. And we will also talk about whether or not this kind of relates to sleep and whether we can improve our sleep with any nutrient timing strategies as well. First thing we'll touch on is protein in relation to when do we actually time that around training? So... Uh, I think like a couple of years ago, even like a few years ago, the idea was that there's this very short anabolic window post-training, right? Like you have maybe 30, 60 minutes to get your protein in. um, And if you miss that window, you're missing out on a lot of gains. Or you lose all your gains. Or you lose all your gains. (laughs) It's definitely something that I saw as like a 16-year-old and was like, oh my God, I need to take my protein shake to the gym or everything's yeah. over. Um, we've, so, like, we've, we've come to learn that the, the anabolic window, so our uh, timing protein around training and having that effect of being anabolic is really three to five hours around the window of like when you're, when you're actually training. So it's not just that very short snippet of time post-training, it's the three to five hour window around your training. So ideally, when it comes to protein, you want to be getting in like, 20, 40 grams of protein, you know, within that window, of course. Um, But when it comes to timing protein, ideally, you're kind of splitting it up consistently enough throughout the day where it kind of just falls around your training anyway. Um, I think one thing to note, though, is for people who maybe train first thing in the morning, so after like an eight hour fast whilst you're you're um, sleeping and then maybe you get up, have some pre-training carbs, um, but you maybe no protein. It could be a good idea to try get the protein in pretty soon after training in that particular circumstance. Um, but otherwise, you have a pretty good time period to play around with where you can still get all of your gains and all those re- great recovery things um, Yeah, within that few hours around training. Uh, but I also say, like, what's the point of waiting at the same time? Yeah. Like. Just, just kind of get it in, but it's probably not going to make a huge difference whether you have it an hour before training, half an hour after training, two hours after training. It's probably not going to make the biggest difference in the world. Yeah. One of the, the good things about pro science is it's rarely detrimental. Like it's like if you yeah. rush home to get your protein shake in or whatever, or you take it to the gym, you're guaranteed to tick this box every single time. Totally. The only reason it's really good to have this knowledge and to know that it's like a three to five hour window is it's like... Oh, if I forgot my protein shake, it's fine. Like I can just eat at the next opportunity. Like it's no big deal. That training session isn't going to waste yeah. it. You will survive. Yeah. It will be okay. But yeah, there's no point in delaying it at the same time. So if you enjoy having your post-training snack or meal right after, go for it. Yeah. Get that protein in. Shout out to my housemate, Brock, who refuses to train if he doesn't have a protein shake available. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> and... Also doesn't order protein for multiple months. <laughs> doesn't train. So just doesn't train. <laughs> logic. We call it Brock logic. <laughs> um, moving on to carbohydrates. Um, we're going to talk about, I guess, the timing of that, when it matters, everything like that. The most important aspect of this, I guess, is if you are training or competing multiple times per day, this matters a lot more. Or you could even argue that if you're training again in far less than 24 hours, like for example, sometimes I might do a session at 7 p.m. at night and then at 6 a.m. the next day. It's like even though it's still not that far away. Um, If you are training or competing multiple times in a day, 
Directly after that first session, you likely want to get in a decent amount of high GI carbs to re-synthesize glycogen as quickly as possible. That's the simple advice. I'd probably keep it there for most people, just quickly absorbing carbs directly post-workout if you have to have a session again soon, because otherwise you're likely going to be depleted in that next session and you're not going to perform as well. For a little bit more complex advice, if anybody really wanted that, particularly if you're competing or training again in less than four hours, um, if you really need to optimize this, the simplest strategy would be to have around 1.2 grams per kilogram of simple carbs per hour. That's an awfully precise number, that 1.2. But the reason is because that seems to be about as much as we can store as glycogen. If you're adding any more, it just does not seem to be stored as glycogen effectively. Um, Getting even more precise, adding some caffeine alongside that has been shown to increase our ability to store glycogen, which is kind of cool as well. And another little tiny bonus on top of that is replacing a small amount of those carbs with protein. So say like 0.2 to 0.4 grams per kilogram can also help with glycogen repletion too. And those strategies are also things I use when I do weight cuts with athletes as well. Mm -hmm. In that first hour, I get protein in, I get um, I get that amount of carbs as well, or a little bit less for the protein too. And a few other things. If it's an evening weigh-in, I won't do caffeine because <laughs> like, I want them to sleep before they comp the next day. <laughs> yeah. But if it's a morning weigh-in, I'd consider the caffeine as well. And if you're training or competing once in a day, this stuff just matters a lot less. You just want to make sure you get enough total carbohydrate in across the day so that you have good glycogen stores for your next day. You just want to be focusing on that whatever that appropriate amount of carbohydrates is for whatever you would consider it to be. You just try and get that in and not really focus too much on the timing. If you have it directly after workout, awesome, but you don't need to. Um, have you ever seen people talking about the carbs post-workout increasing insulin helping muscle protein synthesis? Yeah. yeah. I've seen that a little bit as well. And the research has shown that it doesn't matter. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Um, it seems like we can spike insulin a little bit more, but it's not to the point that it physiologically helps us build more muscle. We obviously see with people who are injecting insulin as like a performance-enhancing drug, like, like that seems to lead to some results. But what, whatever we can do physically with that, like just through nutrition, with little changes like this just don't seem to matter that much. And the other complexity to that is protein raises insulin as well. I say this a lot mm -hmm. on the podcast, but whey protein raises insulin quite a lot. I think there have been comparisons to, I, I don't want to butcher this, but like rice, it like raises as much as rice. Like it's, yeah, interesting. It, it's very high. So like, don't quote me on that one, but either way, it is, it is quite high. It raises it by. Um, so if you have a sufficiently high protein intake post-workout or whatever, adding more carbs does not seem to lead to any additional muscle protein synthesis. So you don't need to worry about that. But that just comes back to that point of making sure you're getting a decent amount of carbs in or whatever you're trying to achieve overall. And then the final thing with carbohydrate timing is pre-workout carbs can help performance in a lot of cases, particularly if you're training hard or for a decent duration, pre-workout carbs seem to help a little bit as well. Yeah, leading into pre-workout meal timing, um, it's really going to be super individual about in terms of how you time your pre-training nutrition. I think a lot of it comes down to exactly what makes you feel good and the kind of training that you're doing. So in general, I tend to recommend that you kind of have a pretty good high carbish meal about two to three hours prior, plus maybe a smaller carb rich snack within kind of 30 minutes to two hours before that training session. And that seems to work well for most people. Um, but if you're training in the morning, you don't necessarily want to get up three. Like if you train at like 5 a.m., yeah. you're not going to get up at like 2 a.m., have your meal and then have a snack an hour before. Like obviously missing sleep for this kind of timing stuff 
is a bit silly. Sleep is really important for recovery and it's going to you know, add to your performance more than this. Um, but if you're training in the middle of the day or in the afternoon, nighttime, you could consider that having that bigger meal that's carb heavy a few hours before plus your snack, you know, within a closer time period to, to your training. Yeah. No question is a dumb question, but on Instagram, every time I post about pre-workout nutrition, I add disclaimers left, right, and center. Yeah, I've, like, no, I've noticed yeah. that. And people still ask, they're like, I train at 5 a.m. Should I get up? And I'm like, firstly, disclaimers. And I'm like, are they just flexing on me? Are they just being like, I train at 5 a.m.? <laughs> I'm one of those really, like those people that have their lives together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I don't know. But um, it, it's very obvious don't get up. Like maybe you could yeah. just have a small amount of carbs before your session. Like that's easy. And people, the, I add these disclaimers, but people still sometimes push back on that being like, no, but I get up really early. Um, and I'm not saying this in a judgmental way, but, but like people say that. And I'm like, we see people running marathons and having 90 grams of carbs per hour. Like if you if you look at the top end of marathon athletes, like they're all having like ninety grams of carbs per hour. Mm-hmm. There's no reason we can't have fifteen grams of carbs ten minutes before we train, or even while we're training. <laughs> like we just have a small amount. Like yeah, there's usually a way to get something in yeah. before you train, even if you have a very short amount of time. And if you can't stomach it initially, like it is something you can do in terms of training the gut. Like yeah. you might start with a little bit of just liquid um, sugars, whether it's a sports drink or juice, and maybe starting with hundred mils. Yeah, before your training small. session, you know, just before it, and then build that up over time to something that feels a little bit better. So it is something you can work on. But I, it, uh, what I get on Instagram a lot is, is X thing good pre-training? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, does it feel good? Yeah, and yeah, if they're yeah. like, yeah, it feels great, then it's great. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where I stand on timing your uh, pre-training nutrition. That's, that's my new response as well. I've been doing that recently where I'm just like, Yes, assuming you feel good doing this. Yes. <laughs> um, the next thing we're going to talk about is fiber and fat. And we're really just putting this in here to just kind of cover it off and just be like, well, we've talked about everything else. Like, Let's just add this in. Um, fiber and fat timing are not overly relevant, but the way I'd think about it is it's more of a situation where it's like, well, we know we need to time protein to a certain degree. We know we need to time easily digestible carbs to a certain degree. And as part of that easily digestible kind of concept – often that means a little bit lower fat and a little bit lower fiber to make it easier to digest. And if we know we want an appropriate amount of fat and fiber and we have these times around our training session where we want to be low in these things, maybe it makes sense to, at other times a day, have a higher intake of these things. So say you just trained once per day in the middle of the day, as an example, very rare for somebody to have the luxury of being able to do that. But say you do that, maybe you have more fat and fiber early in the day and later in the day and then less of these easily digestible carbs earlier in the day and later in the day, but more around the time of your training session. Let's talk metabolism. I think that's going to be an interesting one for for the people who are like, I'm doing X timing because fat loss. Um, So something I see a lot would be like that, eating very frequently. So, you know, eat six small meals a day instead of three large meals a day because it boosts your metabolism. Stoke the metabolism. Stoke the metabolic fire. Um, Unfortunately, this is not something that's going to make a drastic difference to your overall metabolic rate. I'm sure it like acutely eating is going to kind of boost your metabolism. And if you're doing that more across the day, I can kind of see where people get this from. But if the same amount of food is occurring, so whether you're having it within three meals or six meals, it's not going to make a difference overall to the amount of calories you're burning through your metabolism on a daily basis. Um, When we think about the, the research looking at this, it 
in terms of like body composition outcomes and timing of meals frequently versus less frequently, the research kind of comes out as like, overall, it, it doesn't seem like it matters, like at all. Um, there's a little bit of research to maybe make it seem, seem like it does matter, but they, they're outliers and overall, yeah. the research is just not on, on the same page as some people with this. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but like I've been following the Alan Aragon Research Review for, for years mm-hmm. and like I've gone back like historically and gone through all the old copies and stuff like that. And like every second review, he includes a study on this kind of timing and how it affects body composition. And it's almost like every second review, it comes out as like, sometimes it shows it doesn't matter. Sometimes it makes it look like it matters a lot. And sometimes it makes it look like it just does not matter at all. And obviously you combine it all together and it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But it's insane the amount of patience he has because he goes through and breaks down the studies individually every time as if it's like a new thing just adding to the body of research. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't have that level of patience. Like, it's, like no. you just put it all together and you're like, this just doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't matter. No matter, seem... no matter how you look at it, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, and other things to throw in this basket would be things like intermittent fasting, doesn't seem to affect metabolic rate. Um, Eating breakfast versus not eating breakfast doesn't seem to matter. So when it comes to meal timing and metabolism, there's really nothing you can, really nothing worth focusing on there specifically. Yeah. And with the breakfast thing, like another, this is like the patience of like going through it, but like another thing that he's brought up is like, what if you not eating breakfast makes you move differently? What if you move differently because you have either less or more energy because of that decision? And once again, it just comes back to not mattering. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it's like personal preference. Yeah. 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 And um, another thing touching on there is like, well, people will have anecdotal experiences, like positive experiences. Like, for example, intermittent fasting, people will be like, I've tried a bunch of other stuff. This works for me. And like it, it often can, obviously. But that comes down to total calorie intake. Same thing with this concept of like no carbs after 5 p.m. That's another popular one. The logic that people will have is that it's like, well, if you reduce carbohydrate after 5 p.m. when you're moving less, you will therefore, like, you don't need those carbs. They're more likely to be stored as fat. But obviously our body is always burning calories. We mm-hmm. don't just burn calories through exercise. We burn it through other stuff. We can see when total calories are matched, like through these studies that we're talking about, that it doesn't matter either. But anecdotally, if you stop eating carbs after 5 p.m., what is going to happen to your total carbohydrate intake? On average, your total carbohydrate intake is going to decrease. On average, your total calorie intake is going to decrease. And it's going to lead to a calorie deficit in most cases. That's interesting because it's like, well, at the end of the day, we also just want practical outcomes. Like I'd rather practical outcomes rather than just being quote unquote right all the time. Yeah. (laughs) But it's also, this is a common theme, but it's like, it's also important to know how and why these things work in terms of the same thing with the protein thing, like the bro science approach of just having a protein shake directly after a workout Mm -hmm. every time. You don't go wrong by doing that. But what happens when you're a situation where that becomes really inconvenient? It's really nice to know that you that have it, other options. That you have other options. Yeah. yeah, and even just talking about meal timing in relation to dieting, and like people always ask, like, what's the best way to time my meals throughout the day? And it, there's just no one answer for no. everyone across the board. Even from a hunger management perspective, yeah. everyone's going to be different. Everybody yeah. likes a different thing. Yeah, I've seen heaps of people like in the evidence space, space, evidence space, space, like talking about all of these concepts and they're like, yeah, I just intermittent fast myself because it allows me to get more work done. <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah like it's, that's how, yeah. Like how much personal preference comes into this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the next thing, or I suppose the last thing we're going to talk about is sleep. I just sort of chuck this in here because it's like, I don't know, it's an interesting topic. How can we affect sleep? The obvious one, just getting it out of the way, caffeine. Caffeine obviously affects sleep if you have a closer time going to bed. That's going to cause issues in a lot of cases, not in everyone. Um, 
But there are strategies we can do to help improve sleep. One of the most commonly proposed ones is having carbohydrates, particularly simple carbohydrates, um, one to four hours before bed, somewhere in that kind of a couple of hours before bed kind of range. I've gone through and looked at all of the research on that and there seems to be a slight beneficial effect of that, but it's quite it's kind of weak. And there's even other ways why I can explain how it's kind of weak, like other examples, but intermittent fasting, research on intermittent fasting and the effect on sleep does not show people sleep less or have worse sleep quality when they do that. If it was a huge advantage having carbs one to four hours before bed, there should be a, there should be a difference in the outcome significantly. Yeah. So it's like, okay, it doesn't matter that much. But there there are some exceptions that do seem to have more of a positive impact. We've talked about this one before, but tart cherry juice in particular seems to improve sleep a bit. There was one study that I would have mentioned in that podcast where we mentioned it, where it's like in people with insomnia, there was a study that people got one hour extra sleep after having tart cherry juice like an hour before bed or two hours before bed, I can't really recall. But on average, this seemed to be improved. One hour extra is... It's like a lot. It's yeah. a lot. And like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't pin my hopes on getting that much, but it's like consistently seemed to improve that, partly due to the carbs, partly due to tryptophan and partly due to the melatonin content of it. Um, one thing that is a very common theme with sleep is if you go to bed feeling really full or really hungry, that very much does seem to reduce sleep quality. Um we see this in bodybuilders as well a lot, like in on the way to getting stage land, they're just hungry all the time and they get worse sleep. They get less hours sleep on average. Um, people who just are really hungry, it's harder to fall asleep. And that feeling of being too full when you try to go to sleep is also not pleasant. And people talk about how the body's trying to use all its energy on digestion or everything like that as well. So avoiding those seems to be like a prudent strategy. So there are quite a few ways meal timing can improve health and performance. And there's a lot of ways that it also doesn't matter. And there's also a lot of ways that are really personal preference. In general, it does seem to be less of a priority than what you're actually, what your overall intake is in relation to your goals. But the more you are trying to optimize things, especially when it comes to performance and recovery from training, the more this timing stuff does seem to matter. Um, and especially with things like uh, like events and things like that, you probably want to take a little bit more care uh, for those. But otherwise... Yeah, preference, and that's about it. Easy. Well, this has been episode 69 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. As always, if you could please leave a rating or review if you have not already, that would be greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm.